So Carson Price, a special emergency edition. This morning, Saturday, March 2nd, after a 7 a.m., just after press release from the Vancouver Canucks announcing the largest contract in club history, an eight-year, $11.6 million per season, $92.8 million total value contract for Elias Patterson, it's Sakarison Price. Matt Sakaris joined by Blake Price. Grady Sass hitting switches, conducting things. Jeff Patterson, our Canucks reporter from Rinkwide, Vancouver, going to join in a moment. This show presentation of Applewood Auto Group. We're right now at Infinity Richmond. You can get the 2023 QX50, QX55, which I'm driving now. Least 1.99% all terms and trims, plus $1,500 bonus cash. Poll question, your votes at Sakarison Price, Twitter, and YouTube will 11.6 million times eight years for Elias Pettersson's extension be a bargain contract for the Vancouver Canucks. Yes or no. Blake Price back from uh, a week's holiday skiing. Uh, Blake, how about this news to greet your arrival? What do you make of it? Boy, jumping right into it, aren't we? Uh, yeah, I mean, hey, it, we, we all thought it would happen. The question was when. And yet it didn't seem to come with a little bit of a nudge. Um, and you can't help but think that some of the reporting on this did help move this forward and and put Elias Pettersson's back against the wall just a little bit. I mean, I think that accounts for an $11.6 million cap hit, which uh, I think is lower than almost everyone else agreed that it would be. Uh, we all thought it would start with a twelve. So it's a huge victory for the Canucks for them to get this out of the way and out of everybody's uh, brains and also to get it under $12 million. So it's a, it's another victory for this management team. Jeff, you attended the press conference at Rogers arena. Needless to say, it was so hasty that Patrick Alvin, the general manager, when you asked when is, when was Penn actually put to paper said, we're going to do it after. So not even the ink being fresh, Jeff, your thoughts on the events of this morning. Yeah, coming to you from the press box here at Rogers Arena. I've got a, another legendary Canuck Swede looking over my mm -hmm. shoulder here and Marcus Naslin, a little bit of artwork there. Uh, so it seemed fitting with that as the backdrop. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of things. Uh, 7 a.m. news drop, obviously. Uh, I was in for Blake all week. I thought, as we did Friday's show and the news didn't happen, uh, look, there are logistics at play here. The Canucks will practice and then fly to Anaheim this afternoon. Uh, I figured that this was more than just a 7 a.m. tweet or a press release, that there would have to be a press conference. It is a work day, and so after all, Lillian shows up in sweats to his uh, uh, $92 million press conference, but uh, just the nature of the beast there. I I'm with Blake. Uh, I guess all along, and Matt, I had said to you, I thought there was some vanity, uh, and I don't mean that negatively, but I think when he could get to the neighborhood of $100 million total value over eight years, I, I kind of thought that may figure into it. So uh, absolutely a win for the Vancouver Canucks. Every dollar matters. If you look at it in that term, uh, you know, a million per essentially over the length of the deal uh, from 92 to 100. I mean, that's a, another player at, uh, in the National Hockey League. And as the cap goes up, that'll be a you know, minimum salary player, but still a roster player. And when you've got guys now... 11.6 you've got to win at the fringes and so I think uh, on that level uh, it is a win for the Canucks obviously for him it sets him up uh, and his family for lifetimes to come I mean it's a, a monumentous day um, when you think of 
Roberto Luongo's contract, I think of JT Miller's deal, just dwarfs those as the richest contract in the history of the Vancouver Canucks. So good on Elias Pettersson, uh, whatever the forces that were at play to get him to the table and to bring us to that moment this morning. Uh, we know that he had wanted to push this till later on, but uh, sometimes you just got to strike when uh, deal is there in front of you, and so I suppose, uh, you know, if this lowers the noise, if it uh, allows him to focus on his play, if it helps the hockey club get out of this funk that they're in, all of those are wins for the Vancouver Canucks. Guys, after now, watching that press conference, I think we have to uh, admit that there's a, a guy there that is a bit of a nervous Nelly. I mean, I was surprised <laughs> at how nervous he was at that press conference, you know, announcing a deal that is now done. Yeah. He's richer than he could possibly believe. And he was still kind of nervous up there. He even mentioned it. And I think that part of this delay was him just trying to compartmentalize, him trying to put things in a box of, okay, salary stuff comes after the season. That way I can just do the hockey thing now. And I, I think that's mm -hmm. all that it was, as much well, as people wanted to make it about something else. He was nervous. Uh, he was emotional. Uh, at one point he even laughed and let out a little woo. <laughs> so you could tell he was a little overwhelmed by everything that has happened here. Uh, Jeff, I was with you. I thought it would come in at 12.5 to hit that magic $100 million mark, particularly since it was very clear the Vancouver Canucks and even his agents basically pushed him to the bargaining table here this week. Let's get into some of the details of the contract. Then I'm going to come back, ask you guys the poll question, and uh, we're going to hear from Elias Patterson himself. As mentioned, the largest contract in Vancouver Canucks history, $92.8 million total, 11.6 on the average annual value. It is the fourth largest contract in the National Hockey League total money behind only Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, and Sidney Crosby. And let's face it, no one really deserves to be above those three guys, probably the best three players in the National Hockey League. Uh, the cap percentage here, and that's not something we talk about a lot, but that's something I think we will be talking about more as we're finally seeing significant jumps in the cap year to year after several years of it being effectively a cap, flat cap, 13.89% of the cap. That is once again shy of McDavid, McKinnon, Austin Matthews as well. It's slightly above Willie Nylander, but the contract only being $100,000 per year, guys, more than Willie Nylander, this for a center who's three years younger and a much superior defensive player. Lastly, on the AAV, it's fifth in the league. Austin Mas Matthews right now coming in at 13 and a quarter. Then it's McKinnon, McDavid, Artemi Panarin is on that list as well. And it entails a full no move clause. Jeff, we'll start with you on our poll question today. Will this be a bargain contract for the Vancouver Canucks? Yeah, I think it will. Um, look, 25-year-old, 100-point guys times two, and who knows what the future holds. Uh, they don't grow on trees. When you've got one, you want to retain them. And, you know, has his play been up to par the last two weeks? No. I think he kind of acknowledged that as well. Uh, the results speak for themselves with the hockey club, one win in seven. But through it all, like last year, he had Andre Kuzmenko as his running mate, there was chemistry. Uh, he had a winger who finished. Like his point production is essentially the same this year with Kuzmenko, who struggled and then was jettisoned, with Mikheyev, who's now at 30 games without a goal. Sam Lafferty has spent time on his wing. Uh, Nils Hoaglander was a fourth line guy to start. Now he's up there. Like, really, when you think of, like, for all the, again, noise in the market about his play and his performance, 
he is essentially on pace for the same kind as last year and is doing it in a different style. Uh, there's a remarkable consistency again these last 10 days, maybe notwithstanding. But, yeah, I, I just think there is value to be gained. I hear there's always going to be a sector of the fan base and the population that thinks almost $12 million bucks for this player. There's no way. But, again, it's 25 to 33. Like, you're locking in. Uh, there's no reason he can't continue to be a star player through the duration of this contract. Like, people worry about the back end of JT Miller. Well, the back end of JT Miller's contract, he's going to be 35, 36, 37. You are locking into a guy at 25 who has a point season, is on his way to another, and probably will have a few more along the way here. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, even with the, you know, the, the bump in salary, and it's not like he wasn't being compensated. He was doing okay for himself uh, on this current contract. But with the jump in salary, I still think there are ways that this can be a, a contract where the contracts some value when you compare it to other stars around the National Hockey League. Yeah, 100-point guys, point guys get paid. I mean, they just yep. do. So that's that's not a surprise. I think the, the, the one thing that is yet to be seen here is the uh, critics' opinion that he isn't going to elevate your team. And we'll see. Uh I think what we see over, over the next uh, seven weeks of play, six weeks of play left in the regular season is going to be dissected by critics a little bit here because now he's got that distraction out of the way. Now it's just up to Elias Patterson to elevate his gameplay and bring the Vancouver Canucks back to where they were earlier this season. I think how he plays the remainder of the season is really going to color people's perspective on what is coming up in this contract. Well, and most acutely the Stanley Cup playoffs, which we know the Vancouver Canucks will be heading to and likely a first game at Rogers Arena with home ice advantage somewhere around April 22nd, April 23rd. It oh. should be. We'll see. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> well, uh, let's hear from Elias Pettersson now. And first, we'll just start with reaction to everything that's happened here. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, this feels... Uh... This is where I wanted to be. Um, I want to thank the first off, thank Akalina family for for this, the management, the teammates for all they're done, and um, yeah. Uh, needless to say, things changed, and things changed quite dramatically uh, this week. Uh, shout out to our friend and colleague Frank Saravelli of the Daily Faceoff. You hear him weekly on Sakarison Price. He was first with the news here that Pedersen was back at the bargaining table and that the Vancouver Canucks were discussing an eight-year deal. What brought that about? Well, what we came to learn was that the Carolina Hurricanes had made a significant offer for Elias Pedersen, an offer that, according to some reports, involved Jesperi Kakaniemi, Martin Natchez, and some other pieces. And the Vancouver Canucks, very anxious, very impatient, needed some clarity before the trade deadline and, of course, going into the summer, which would have been the worst-case scenario if Elias Patterson had filed for arbitration. Then you're looking at a countdown clock towards unrestricted free agency, and the Canucks certainly didn't want that. Patterson was asked what changed this week. Take a listen to his answer. I always wanted to stay here, but uh, you... Yeah. Uh, you don't give up your cards on negotiation, right? <laughs> no, but uh, I'm, I was an RFA at the end of the season, and I didn't feel the rush to sign. Uh, but then again, the more talks with Jim and Patrick, uh, seeing the direction of the team, I always wanted to stay here, but just seeing 
the commitment from them and everything. Uh, uh, we wanted to get it done uh, before. Uh, he previously said, I've liked everything that he's seen from Jim Rutherford, Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin. Um, guys, effectively, what we wondered at the beginning of the season, and that was, did the Vancouver Canucks have to convince Elias Pettersson to re-sign? Uh, I think the proof was clear in this press conference, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, first of all, Jim Rutherford off to the side. He wasn't at the podium, but he was in the room, as was Captain Quinn Hughes lending his support. Uh, it was quite a scramble, as you could imagine. This was supposed to just be a sleepy practice day, and they had to bring in all kinds of staffers to make this happen. So uh, uh, on that front, it was uh, kind of funny just to watch the operation unfold here. But ultimately, it was Elias Pettersson and Patrick Alvin at the podium. And, you know, even there, like – there is a sense of humor. It's a droll sense of humor, but when he talked about, I want to show your cards in negotiation. And when I asked him about noise and he deadpanned that, well, hadn't heard anything. Uh, and then of course uh, gave a, an answer a, about that. Uh, you know, Blake, you, you mentioned earlier too, like, I think he's such a perfectionist and this is just my own personal observation being around him for the years that he's been in Vancouver. And I get that English is a second language, but he's got a full grasp of English now, but I, I still I haven't encountered players who stop mid-sentence because they don't like where their thoughts are taking them, and he wants to get it right. And I, I think that just kind of speaks to who he is as a person. And so some of that comes into play here, too, that he wanted to make sure that he was making the right decision. And part of that was seeing an organization that, after floundering for pretty much all of his time in the National Hockey League, save for the bubble playoffs... You know, he charged them at the start of the year to get better, to be a team that was better. And they have a big part of that. And so I think that did allow him some ease of mind to recognize now with Quinn Hughes, with JT Miller, the way that he's playing, with Thatcher Demko, with Brock's bounce back season, that there are some real pieces here that allow him to dream big that, yes, he wants to be a part of this and that maybe, just maybe, he can put something together that ultimately results in the big prize. You're so right, Jeff. The perfectionism, even when speaking in the second language, Blake, I will bring you back to the United Center in June of 2017 when the Vancouver Canucks drafted Elias Pettersson fifth overall. I can distinctly remember former Canucks vice president of communications, Chris Brumwell, bringing him to our table and giving us the warning, guys, this is a Swedish guy whose English isn't as good Elias immediately sat down and cracked a joke in English. <laughs> we felt pretty good about his English after that. So I think the full gamut that Jeff was talking about, the humor, the perfectionism, was evident from the second we first met him seven years ago. And, and we should probably talk team, team chemistry here too, guys, in that um, we had some doubts. And, you know, there's a lot of rumor and innuendo about Pedersen and Miller and whether or not they could coexist. We only see them in gameplay, but, I, I, I mean – I think we can extrapolate something from the chemistry we see out there on the ice. And they seem to be better. Like they seem to be a little bit more in sync with each other. And JT Miller's done a lot of work on that. I think with uh, the fewer blowups and, and I, I wonder how much that has played into it. Quinn Hughes making a little cameo appearance that you talked about there on uh, social media, Jeff, uh, you know, as a part of the press conference. I mean, I, I think all the players are working hard to make this, 
uh, a team that gels together. It doesn't have to be best friends off the ice. I don't think JT and, and Elias are likely to be that, but it certainly seems like a very good working relationship at the very least so far here. Right? Well, to that end, uh, Blake, let's hear from Elias Pettersson, who talked about the direction of the team. Yeah, I always wanted to play uh, for a good team, and I wanted to see uh, where this team was heading. And uh, ever since uh, Jim and Patrick's been coming in, uh, obviously I get to know them and see the direction we're going in as an organization. And I liked everything we've seen, so, um, so yeah. One of the things that I think had to be and had to um, be part and parcel of Elias's calculation is could he win a Stanley Cup with JT Miller being that second forward? If you take a look at Stanley Cup champions, they not only have the great first line centerman, but they typically also have a second forward who is at an elite level. And Miller's season leading the team in points has just been superb. He has left no doubt after what. You know, some people thought might have been a little down year coming off the 99-point season. Miller has been exceptional. But, you know, also, Jeff, the rest of the work from Rutherford and Alvin cannot go unnoticed here, whether that was Philip Ronick last year at the trade deadline, whether that was the free agent defenseman and then the trade for Nikita Zadorov to shore up the blue line, whether that was adding Elias Lindholm back in January and also fixing that bottom six that had been a a problem when he says I've liked everything that's happened. I, I take that as a hundred percent truth because it has been quite a turnaround job here from Canucks management. Sure. I mean, if it was just about being the best player in the national hockey league, Connor McDavid, a bunch of Stanley cups, if it was about having two of the best players, well, McDavid and Dreisaitl year mm-hmm. after year, it's not that it is a team game and yes, you need star power to drive, but you need the supporting cast. And that's been the downfall of the Vancouver Canucks for far too many years now, as they've assembled Pedersen and Hughes and Besser and add JT Miller. Uh, I mean, even with those guys, the last couple of years, not enough. JT Miller had a 99 point season two years ago. Elias Pedersen gets to 102 and they haven't had a sniff of the playoffs, but they rounded out their penalty killing. They rounded out the bottom of the roster. They started to win some of these Uh, negotiations at the fringes and as a result they have been riding high as the best team in the National Hockey League and when I I I don't think Elias Pettersson was speaking to this but Nils Hoaglander is one of his buddies on this team Nils Hoaglander spent most of last year in the minors look at Nils Hoaglander after a year in Abbotsford working with Jeremy Colleton and the development staff and back in the NHL and scoring as a fourth liner and now promoted to play alongside Elias Pettersson. And so, you know, it's not just what's happening at the NHL level, but I think organizationally, Hoaglander is a bit of a poster boy and you hope Vasily Podkolzin is following in those same footprints and footsteps that next year he can deliver a lot of what Hoaglander has been able to this year. So, yeah, I mean, again, I think Elias Pettersson is a sharp guy and obviously a hell of a hockey player. And so it doesn't surprise me that he's sort of taking stock of what's going on around him, taking notes on, you know, the way that this organization has built things out. They haven't won anything yet, but they have certainly taken significant strides this year, and he's been a part of that. And again, pick up his play. Since the All-Star break, it hasn't been good enough. And, you know, we throw out this idea of, oh, back-to-back 100-point seasons. It was interesting. I was just looking this morning. His dip in performance since the All-Star break, he's at 75 points through 62 games that's 99-point pace now. So he is going to have to pick it back up again to have consecutive 100-point seasons. Certainly plenty of way to do it. 
And if the power play could ever get it figured out, I think that uh, it's not much doubt that he will get to triple digits again. But uh, there's just been a little bit of a scuffling here for 10 or 12 games that has brought him below the 100-point pace in the here and now. Yeah, they've got to prove to their coach and their management team now that they're worth investing in over the next week because, uh, you know, this has not been a great little stretch. And there's only been a, a handful of good periods even within these games. Um, there's some question marks there. So they, they have to raise their level. And Elias Pettersson now will be looked at, as, as I said, under a microscope with this contract now as to whether or not this is what has been keeping him down and making him. I just saw some feedback from our listeners there on the screen calling him a little bit streaky. He's looked a little bit streaky. Maybe that's the, those are the moments where, uh, you know, the contract is sort of looming larger in his head. And uh, now with that distraction out of the way, maybe uh, the streakiness goes away. Jeff, you asked him a couple of really pointed questions that I quite liked, including one about whether all of this and lack of resolution was affected, affecting his play. If Great, if we can play that one, listen to Elias, and we'll come back and discuss. I'm human. Of course, I put pressure on me and know what's ahead. But I know what, what I was getting myself into, and... Uh, and I know it's going to be a big decision. That's why I wanted to wait to make sure I make the right decision in for my for my life personally. And uh, I am super happy with that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm super excited to be here. And I honestly, I wonder whether the pressure he puts on himself may have been more than the pressure of the unresolved uh, contract. But a very honest answer, I thought there from Elias Patterson. Um, starting off with the part about I'm human. Okay, let's get to the noise element of this week because this was another J-Pat question to him about whether the noise affected anything this week. It was, it was a, like I say, a poignant question because I think it's pretty clear the series of events that got us to this day. I thought, it was, you know, I was interested to hear how Elias was going to handle it. Let's take a listen. I didn't hear anything. <laughs> No, of course, it's been a long talk throughout the year, and especially it's, uh, I mean, always people talk, uh, but uh, I was fine. It's always going to be noise, but I felt comfortable because we continue having talks throughout the whole year uh, with management, with my agents, and uh, yes, I've said I wanted to wait till um, after the season, but um, it's continuing talk with the management my agents uh, we want to get it done uh, before now that's a bit of a departure from what the reporting on this file was this year that Elias would say a couple of times there in that clip that they continued to talk as the season went along um, I guess there was yeah maybe some sly back channel communique going on but we had heard many times that, um, you know, Elias had basically instructed his camp, no, I don't want to talk about this till after the season. What was your interpretation of that part of it, Jeff? Yeah, I thought Patrick Alvine, he tried to make it abundantly clear that this had been a two-year pass and that, to me, it made it sound like, despite the reports that were out there, there had been constant communication. Now, Alvine has always, when asked, said, I've got great relationships with his management group, and... Look, 
J.P. Barry represents other players. So even if Alvin is calling or having conversations on other players on this roster, I would imagine that uh, the name Elias Pettersson would pop up in the conversations as well. So uh, you know, I think we're all naive if we thought that there had been this absolute silo and that there had been no discussions. But yes, I mean, just listening to Elias there, it certainly made it sound like maybe he was uh, a little more involved than he had led to this point. And that makes sense. Again, this is such a monumental decision for him uh, and his family and big life decisions about where he wants to set up shop for the, the next eight years that I just don't think you can compartmentalize all of that. So um, whatever forces took us to this moment, you know, he's done. Uh, again, I, I appreciate that there's a, an element of humor uh, he tries to slide that into some of these answers. Like when I asked him point blank, I mean, that was a great answer. Ah, haven't heard it. Um, you know, whether he himself or whether it's relayed back to him from family and friends, whatever the case, I just don't think you can be a star athlete in a market like this one and be able to block it out entirely. And I do believe that it has impacted his performance here uh, in the last week to 10 days. So I hope, my hope is that he gets some peace of mind. We certainly know he gets financial peace of mind and he can focus on doing what he does best, and that is uh, electrifying crowd, helping this hockey club win, get back on track. They've come too far this year for this to slide a whole lot further, but, man, we talked about this on the show on Friday after Anaheim, the Kings, the Golden Knights, the Jets, the Avs. Like, this is a big week for the hockey club to try to find its game, and he's a huge part of moving this thing in the right direction. My guess, guess is my guess is that the agents were told, don't bring me with daily updates. Don't bring me with weekly updates on what's happening with the contract negotiations. You guys do whatever you need to do, but I don't want this to be something that I need to parry back with, um, you know, on the regular. So I think that's what was happening throughout. Patrick Alvin was probably talking to, uh, about with regards to the agents. That he was having conversations there. It's just that it wasn't all getting back to Elias yeah. Patterson because – Patrick Brisson didn't want to be phoning him on the regular and saying, uh, they, now they've upped it by 100,000 in this many years. And, um, and uh, he didn't want to be involved in any of that uh, to and fro. So um, they found a way to get to a contract. I'm guessing that Brisson thought, we just need to talk to him about this. This is pretty darn good. This is exactly what he wanted, and uh, and we get to this point. Well, uh, I'll tell you this, Blake. Um, of course, Pat Persona and J.P. Barry, the agents, two of the biggest names in the game here. They also have some experience with not quite this exact specific case, but a similar one. And, fellas, we speculated about this, wondered whether this could be a potential resolution uh, weeks ago on Sakaris and Price, and that is the case of David Posternak. Last year, the Boston Bruins winger, who was approaching unrestricted free agency, not restricted free agency, so therein lies the difference, he signed fellas on this exact same day last year, March 2nd, in advance of the trade deadline, to give the Boston Bruins the clarity and the guarantee that he would be in their fold going forward at a number that they could go and then project out. Capwise, Patrick Alvin saying similar things Today, when asked about it, he talked about how this gives them more clarity for not only next week and the trade deadline, but also moving forward that they can plan and project their cap space accordingly, who will be part of the core, and then building the puzzle, and that's becoming one of his buzzwords, building the puzzle around that. In a moment, we're going to talk trade deadline. We're also going to get into some of the specifics and the structure 
of this contract and also, you know, get into future projections here. Is it as simple as Elias Patterson being with the Vancouver Canucks for eight years and taking them to his 33rd year? Great Clips is the official hair salon of the National Hockey League. There are 37 salons in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland, all Canadian-owned and operated. Download the app and find the nearest to you. When you're up next for a cut, you'll get a ready next text. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Matzik Harris, Blake Price, Jeff Patterson on Elias Patterson, who signs the single biggest contract in Vancouver Canucks history, a eight-year deal worth $92.8 million and $11.6 million average annual value. And this comes with a full no move clause guys. The contract has an interesting structure to it, and it is very much in line with some of these new deals we're seeing around the national hockey league. There is $47 million of this deal. So right around half, a little more than half, that will be paid out in signing bonuses, including $12 million this summer when the new league year begins and $10 million next summer. What's that, what, what that does is combined with the salary compensation in the first two years, $29 million of this deal is going to be paid out in each of the first two years. There are $5 million signing bonuses in each of the last five years, what that does. And look, we're a long way from here, but after two seasons, there is an out here where an acquiring team would not have to pay the huge bonus where a lot of the money is already paid. So it makes it a tradable contract going forward in the next couple of years. I know we're a long way from there, but I wanted to get into this as well from AFP analytics. And this is a site that does its utmost to project contracts. Uh, Pedersen has signed the largest eight-year contract by percentage of the cap for an RFA with arbitration rights. Why this points to a slight market reset, even with the cap increase for players who are still under team control. Overall, it's a good deal to keep a top number one centerman. So bottom line there is other players and the PA they'll be happy with this contract too, because the other thing it does is as AFP says, resets the market for that RFA with Arbrights. This is the richest deal for the RFA with Arbrights. Uh, Jeff, we'll start with you. Any uh, thoughts on the structure of this contract and the full no move clause? Not really. Not surprised that uh, he would want that security to control uh, his time here for all the talk. Did he want to be here? Now it's uh, in his court because he's got the, the full no movement. Uh, it was really just a matter of the breakdown, but expected to see a lot of that signing bonus money. That's the way we see these big-time deals. Uh, and for him, uh, you know, it puts the money in his pocket up front. I didn't get a chance to ask him. One of the questions I would have liked to, and somewhere down the line I will, you know, I mean, these guys all do a lot of good charitable work, but he's got interests outside of hockey, and I do wonder if at some point, you know, this provides him an opportunity now to look into setting up some sort of foundation, whether it's uh, here, whether it's back home, uh, to support whatever it is that, uh, you know, the causes that are nearest and dearest to him. But, yeah, I mean, front, lo front end loaded puts a lot of money in his pocket here in the next couple of years. So good to be Elias Pettersson as a 25-year-old yeah. uh, getting that kind of money up front. 
Jeff, we know you got a practice to cover, so we'll let you go here. We'll thank you for the time here. We'll be listening to Rinkwide Vancouver tomorrow, Sunday, after the game against the Anaheim Ducks. As mentioned, the Canucks are going to practice and travel to Southern California here. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, we talk about all this noise. I'm starting to hear pucks clanking off uh, the boards and the glass. Here. As are and, we. And and so, look, like they sent Archie Baines back to the minors. Uh, they're running with no healthy forwards. I kind of thought we would see another roster move there. Uh, but curious, after uh, the dispiriting loss to the Kings, what kind of formation the coaches have deep in their bag of tricks. So we'll go find out. And obviously, I will uh, post whatever I uh, find on social uh, throughout the day here. And then, yes, rink wide with Farhan tomorrow after the Canucks and the Ducks. Brilliant. Thanks, Jeff. Okay, guys. Blake, um, as mentioned, you were away on a skiing holiday this week. I would love your take on how fast this moved, how quickly, uh, how if you were surprised at how quickly this moved. And my friend, on that Carolina offer, Cuck and the Emmy, Natchez, and then a bunch of other pizzas, do you think that is something the Canucks were re- willing to do between now and the trade deadline had they gotten an answer from Elias Pettersson that, uh, that he still wasn't ready to sign? Well, I think what they were trying to do is force an, uh, a, a truthful answer out of him of, like, seriously, do you want to be here? And if he was at all waffling on that answer, to me, that's what would have triggered uh, the possible trade scenario because um, the, the the sheer signing possibility of, no, I just really want to do it after, if he's being genuine and truthful there, I think they probably could have found a way to convince themselves that that was okay. But I think what they were trying to get is, is the why. Like, Do you want to be here? Because if you don't, we have to deal with that now for our own sake. Um, and so I think it was... It was legitimate. They're covering their asses. They're being professionals in their own jobs in making sure that, you know, they've got all bases covered. Uh, I'm surprised that it got as public as quickly as it did and that all of the angst sort of exploded like it did. But ultimately, uh, it was fruitful, I think, for it to go down this road because it forced some tougher questions and some truthful answers. And uh, I think both sides got to where they needed to be in the end. I, I think both sides won. I mean, per the contract, that's just a fair contract. It, it is. It's a fair contract for both sides. I think it'll age well for the team. I think it puts almost $100 million into the back pocket of of uh, Elias Pettersson. I, the only curiosity for me is the lack of that no-move clause in, in the first year. I, I don't quite understand why that needs to to be the case. Um and no one asked about it. So it's a little weird for me. Uh, yeah. You don't usually see it structured there. You sh- usually see the no move clause uh, removed towards the, the end of the deal yes. uh, to make it yeah. more tradable. Um, look, it's clear that Rutherford and Alvin drew a line in the sand here for the sake of the club, for the sake of the club's future business. Heck for the sake of the player who's been struggling a little bit. And most certainly for the sake of the playoffs, where this continued, this would have continued to be uh, a distraction. Were you surprised, Blake, that the Canucks were willing to bait Patterson on all of this? Because this was very risky territory for Rutherford and Alvin to go down this road with a mercurial guy who had already told you several times, no, wait until after the season. This had the capacity to blow up on the Canucks. And instead it's worked out beautifully here 
our friend J.D. Burke of Elite Prospects. That is just a wildly team-friendly contract, and I think we'll come to view it as one of the league's great bargains in almost no time at all. Really good work here by the Canucks front office. It's always about the how, though, right? And, and this is where I think this management group wins hands down over the previous group is they just know how to communicate, I think, with with the players. Jim Rutherford's been around the block a, a zillion times. I think Patrick Ovine has a nice way about him in terms of communicating the concerns that they have on their side of things. And I think Elias Pedersen, if he wants to be a Vancouver Canuck, um, can put himself in their shoes a little bit. He's an intelligent guy, and he's a feeler, I think. We've seen that already, mm-hmm. that he sees that, okay, in order for them to do their job, they do need some information here. And if they're being fair with me, then we could both come out uh, as winners in this. And I think that's what's ultimately happened and just in the nick of time, because unlike that Pasternak deal, which I believe happened 24 hours before the trade deadline, uh, the Canucks now have a full week before the trade deadline in order for them to crunch the numbers and get out the abacus and, and figure out how they can try to make this team for this season even just a little better, never mind what they plan on doing going into next season. You know, whenever that season ends for the Vancouver Canucks, whether it's in late April or late May or maybe early June, um, you know, the very next day almost, they've got to start thinking about what happens um, for next season because they've got some moving pieces. A lot of UFAs, role player UFAs, and of course a big RFA still in Philip Ronick as well. So there's business to be done, and Elias Pettersson getting this out of the way um, is much better for the organization. Yeah. Uh, here's Jay Fresh Hockey on Elias Pettersson, who says he's an elite number one center who's extreme efficiency all over the ice and ability to orchestrate offense from distance leads to high production rates, especially primary assists. He's not a guy who necessarily creates volume when it comes to scoring chances, but he can be counted on to make the most of what he does create. Also extremely active in defensive zone, turning pucks uh, turning puck retrievals into exits. Only Connor McDavid is more effective at getting his team on the power play without taking penalties himself. In the past three seasons, he's drawn 92 minor penalties and taken only 17. We're really talking about a complete hockey player here, Blake. He may not have the greatest physical element of his game, but he's brought more and more of that as he's gotten bigger, older, and matured uh, over the course of the years. As Jay Fresh mentions, Offense from distance, and there are so very few players in the National Hockey League who create offense from distance now. We know the big clapper from the point is not really a thing. Defensemen used to beat goaltenders cleanly or through screens with that sort of uh, offensive attack. You don't see a ton of that, but Elias, he's got the big one-timer on the power play, and as Jay Fresh points out, he's able to create chances from far away from the net which is truly a skill, and you uh, you chalk that up to his in, incredible vision, playmaking, hockey IQ, and his ability to feather passes through difficult, uh, through narrow channels in the offensive zone. The one thing that Jay Fresh notes that I want to put in your pipe to smoke here is doesn't necessarily create a huge volume of chances. We've talked about how efficient the Canucks are, Blake, and how their shooting percentage has been so magnificent this season would that be something that worries you heading into the fl- playoffs that they don't necessarily create the most chances out there we know that they're not very big on rush chances that they don't create the most chances out there and that Elias is more of a half court player than he is necessarily 
an end-to-end player. Well, I, I think you've always got JT Miller in your back pocket. And I say always, I mean, in his prime, probably only for the next few years, uh, perhaps. But uh, in the present, you've got JT Miller, who creates chances um, on a far better clip, I think, than Elias Pettersson does, just by pure aggression and, and, and his hockey sense as well. So uniting the lotto line, um, you know, if maybe you go, maybe you go all the three centers at, at one point, if you like the way that Lindholm's going um, and put all three of them together um, when you actually need offense late in the game, trying to come back something to that effect. Hey, if he's a, if he's a surprise kind of offensive um, driver that, you know, lays in the weeds for 11 minutes, then boom, you know, has a couple of good shifts and then lays in the weeds for another. I mean, I, I, as long as the production is there, as long as the chances ultimately end up in the back of the net, then I don't think you've got too much problem with it. I, I will say that as much as he's increased his aggression physically, um, and he certainly has gained weight and physique, I still think there's another level in in weight gain. And I think if he gained a little bit of weight and it didn't it, it's done in the in the proper way, I'm no nutritionist here, but just so that he's a little bit more solid on his skates in receiving hits, I think he's giving hits very well this season. We've seen him be the catalyst in and an aggressor in a lot of scenarios and we've been impressed by that, but in receiving hits, we've seen that he can go down a little bit. And if he can get a little bit more mass, I wonder if mm-hmm. that can be. And he, again, at the age of twenty-five, I don't know. I, I, I certainly my my body type changed oh, no, from, sure. from twenty-five to twenty-eight. Like in the next three years, do we see an even stronger Elias Pettersson yeah. that is able to become that uh, that driver? Jeff Patterson reporting from the rink. Carson Susie is a full participant, and Blake, lo and behold, it's all kind of off Canucks here. Guillaume Brisebois in a non-contact jersey. We haven't seen him since training camp. He's out at on the ice at practice at Rogers Arena prior to the Canucks flight to Anaheim today for their game against the Ducks on Sunday. Okay, in a moment, the Sedin twins were a career Canucks. Trevor Linden wanted to be. Marcus Nasland, well, he started in Pittsburgh, but he got awfully close to ending his career with the Vancouver Canucks. We're going to look forward on the eight years of this contract, including, Blake, as you say, that oddity of a no-no-move clause in the first year and project forward. That's coming up next. Park is the official casino resort of the Vancouver Canucks, and Sikerson Price, we're heading there. Yeah, March 13th. Join us for a live show at BC Kitchen in advance of the game against Colorado. You get 15% off the game day menu at BC Kitchen with a game ticket, $6 happy hour specials at Center Bar Park, just steps away from Rogers Arena. We'll see you on March 13th. In a season like this, you never want to miss a single second of what's happening on the ice, and you want to be around your fellow fans, right? Well, Greta Bar YVR at 50 West Cordova, the perfect spot to do so. Hey, if you've got tickets, a great place to pre and post. They've got drink specials every single day. And if you don't have tickets, well, stick around and soak up the atmosphere with all your fellow fans, play all the great video games and air hockey, great air hockey set up as well at Greta Bar YVR. We'll see you there, 50 West Cordova. Matt Sikaris, Blake Price here, and Blake... Look, let's lay out this scenario because while this new deal locks up Elias Pettersson for next year and beyond, it doesn't necessarily mean he'll be a career Canuck. It doesn't necessarily mean he'll be a Canuck 
long-term. We heard some of this this week. I'm going to lay out the scenario to you and get you to give me your thoughts. But he effectively got bullied to the bargaining table here by an impatient management group and really to some degree his agents who I think have wanted this deal to be done for some time. Now, whether the Carolina offer was real or a strategic bluff is something we may never know. Something that Elias Pedersen may never know, although I would suspect he's got a better line on that information than most. Many were joking this week that, Hey, he heard he could wind up in Raleigh and quickly wanted to resign with the Vancouver Canucks. Now he said all the right things today, but if his heart wasn't in this earlier this week, his agents know that star players have the ability to force a trade at a later date from here forward. It's up to PD to produce and it's up to Canucks sports and entertainment to be a better organization than the one that he's experienced since he arrived. And I don't just mean success on the ice. This is a company that has done wrong by people through Elias's tenure, whether it was the clumsy and cruel firing of Bruce Boudreaux, the botching of Tanner Pearson's hand injury, the mishandling of COVID, the turning off the taps and stripping down that 2020 bubble run team. There are many sins on the Canucks side of the ledger through two regimes here. The good news, Rutherford and Alvin have, have gotten the act together there and they have begun writing the ship uh, this season. But this is not over from a Canucks performance point of view. I was struck by the fact that he talked about renovations to the rink uh, in his comments earlier today. And I was struck by this long they line. They've done great work giving us players to succeed. So I think the Elias Pettersson evaluation of the Canucks continues, even if it's not with the urgency of pending free agents. Well, the good news on that front, um, if you want to take the cynical view on it, um, is, again, I, I think universally, it's, this contract is being praised. If you did, in the next 12 months, have to move on this contract, I, I don't think there's many teams that would balk at it. I, I, I think most teams would be like, yeah, I'll take that player in that contract. No problem. And the certainty that the teams would get in a trade would be immense so you can actually extract more value out of a trade like that than you could have trading Elias Pettersson um, in the next week or even in the summertime when the, that team would think that it still has to negotiate. So um, in that regard, there's a bit of a safety net for the Vancouver Canucks. Again, I, I, don't, I said before the break, I don't think this is bullying. I think this is actually um, a master class in, in communication from this, from this organization that, that they were able to, to lay their cards on the table. And I think there was a, a, um, a, yeah. a lot of sharing of truths here that got everybody into the same place here. I, I seemed like a very calm, cool and collected Elias Pettersson. I don't think if this is a catalyst to a trade in the next, well, you know, through the off season, even, I don't think that they go through this whole song and dance. I don't think they put, Elias Pettersson through uh, the press conference that they just did. I think they just come out as no. a management group. No, nobody's saying catalyst to a trade here early on. What I'm saying is, you noted the no, no, mo, no, no move clause in the first year, mm -hmm. which is a little odd. I noted the bonus structure over the first couple of years, which pays them a lot, almost a third of the value of this contract over the first two seasons. What I'm saying is there are exit ramps. There are levers here that if the relationship isn't, uh, pliable going forward, if the relationship isn't solid going forward, that you can see that in the structure of this contract as both sides 
um, I, I think take provisions to make a move. I think he's mm-hmm. a nervous deal. Like he wanted money up front, and a lot of guys do that, right? You never know when injuries strike mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. So I think they wanted to make that uh, as easy as possible. Interesting to note that uh, a member of the former management group and Chris Gear has weighed into this on social media. I see uh, that suggesting that the bridge deal has turned out advantageous to the Vancouver Canucks in the end. Uh, that he thinks that yeah. salary cap over the course of those of those two contracts combined ends up being lower than how it would have planned, you know, uh, panned out. I, I think that's hard to make that argument because I think if you sign them to an eight year deal back then, Matt, what's that cap hit? Oh, Pedersen? it's probably something uh, a little closer to what Quinn Hughes uh, signed for. Remember Quinn Hughes was a parallel negotiation going on along that same time. I believe it was a seven year deal for Hughes but he's $7.85 million and he's a spectacular deal for this year, given that he may be the Norris trophy winner. And for three more years going forward, here's the, uh, here's the tweet from former Canucks assistant general manager, Chris gear. Congrats EP, by the way, some criticized the bridge deal at the time. Nux will pay less than AAV over five and eight year spans by having signed the bridge followed by this deal versus the alternative. Plus the extra cap space this year has been invaluable to roster construction, just saying uh, he is right that the extra cap space here in the near term has been valuable to Rutherford and Alvin in terms of roster construction. If Elias had signed the eight-year deal back then, he would have been making more over the last couple of years, and maybe that would have precluded them from being able to make a Ronick trade or sign the different players that they signed this past season. Uh, this past summer in the off season. Well, for this year and maybe this year only, that might be true. But immediately in the years to come, you'd be <laughs> making money um, on the yeah. cap. So, all right. I know you got to run. You got a Whitecaps game to call later this afternoon at BC yeah. Place, their home and season opener, four thirty against Charlotte. Thank you for this, and thank you to everybody for tuning in and listening here. This has been a special Sakarison Prize Live emergency podcast after Elias Pettersson signs an eight-year. Uh, $92.8 million extension and uh, 11.6 average annual value. We'll have more on Sakarison Price on Monday. Subscribe to the podcast as well. Rink-wide Vancouver Sunday after the game against the Ducks. Hey, folks. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying what you're seeing here, then follow along with Sakarison Price on YouTube. I promise more content coming. They call it, the kids call it subscribe on YouTube. Well, how about liking it? Do that as well. Smash it right now.